uh, serving. Are y'all with me this morning? Amen. Amen. This week, um, I have a video I'm going to show later on. Um, Don't worry about it now. But I I have a video of an example of what it means to live a life actually as a servant. If we're called to be a servant, what does it actually mean to live a life as a servant for God? Um, In 1 Peter chapter 2, just to give you a little context, 1 Peter and 2 Peter are written by Peter, the disciple of Jesus, and he was writing these letters to believers in Asia Minor. And what was happening, these these letters were really consisted of him trying to encourage these believers because they were being persecuted, not just from the culture, but also from the government for being a Christian. Does that sound familiar to anybody? In a world today where our government and our culture isn't pushing Christianity, we can be encouraged by this same letter on how to live our lives today. Are y'all with me on that? Peter is trying to help them understand that, look, you cannot control the government. You cannot control the culture around you. But you can live in a way that pleases God. And that by other people watching you and how you live, maybe in turn they will come to know who Jesus Christ is. Let's pray and we're going to dig into God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us this morning. God, thank you for, that, for the fact that worship started before we even came into the building. Thank you for being with us during the time we sung songs to you, God. And thank you for being with us as we gave offering to you, God. But Lord, I pray that you be with us right now as we study your scripture, God. I pray that you speak clearly to us. Use me as your microphone, God. Clear our minds, help us stay focused on you, and speak to us and challenge us, God. Don't not, God, please do not let us leave here without being changed for you. In your son's name, amen. We're going to be studying verses 15 through 17, but to understand those verses, we have to understand verses 13 and 14. So I want to go over that just real quick. Look at verse 13, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. And I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil or to praise those who do good. So what is happening in this context? Peter's trying to tell him, look, I know the government isn't on your side right now. I know culture isn't on your side right now. Right. And in that time, Nero was believed to be in control. And if you don't know anything about Nero, uh, just to keep it real short, he doesn't like Christians. OK, you can study him if you want. Um, but he didn't like Christianity. And so Peter's saying, look, I know that they think that you're crazy for following Jesus. I know that they're making fun of you. I know that they're persecuting you. But your job as a Christian is to be a model citizen in this culture. No matter who the emperor is, whoever it is, and Peter's saying, whoever, whatever's going on around you, your job is to be a model citizen. Your job is to be such a good citizen that when they look at you and they begin to praise you for your life and the good things that you have done, you will get to step back and give glory to God and make them wonder, why are you so different? Maybe there is something about the God that you serve. We are called to be the model citizens, and you would show them with your life. Now, we're not focusing on government today, okay? I know some of y'all are looking at me like, you better be careful, right? We're not focusing on, on that today, but I do, because of the context, want to say something really quick. Today pretty much is the same. We're, we're pretty much in the same world as Peter and, the, and these believers in Asia Minor. I see people more now than ever in my lifetime hate our country, hate our government, hate our uh, police officers more than I've ever seen in my life before. I see, but it doesn't surprise me 
And it should not surprise you as a believer. Because sin is real. If you believe that sin is real and it's evil and it's bad like the Bible tells us, then sinners and how they act and how we act should never surprise us. And it doesn't make me mad about people, how they, how they treat other people. It doesn't make me mad how they um, hate our nation or hate the government, hate our president. I don't care who you voted for or who you didn't vote for. That doesn't make me mad. What makes me upset is that I see believers now more than ever are the ones that are on Facebook who gets on and says, because you voted for this person or you didn't vote for this person, you're an idiot. You're a sinner. You need Jesus. And they're judging other people. What does that do for our witness for Jesus Christ? It doesn't upset me that sinners act lost. Lost people are going to do lost things. Christians that are Christians are still sinners. We're still going to be messing up. But we should not ever be the ones that are making people hate God because of our own opinions. That should never, ever be the case. As a Christian, your job is not to go around posting things on social media, saying things about your president or, or who you voted for or who you didn't vote for. Your job as a Christian is to be a model citizen, not of America, but of heaven. Because as a Christian, your citizenship is in heaven. You just happen to be a Christian who lives in this great country. Do you see the difference? You are a representation of heaven and God, your Lord and your Savior. So your job is to be a Christian who lives in this country, but models heaven and models God based on the love and the service and the glory that God has given us. That is your job. And that in hopes somebody would see that you love them and that you serve them and wonder what in the world is wrong with you. Why do you continue to love and to serve me? And you can point them straight to Jesus Christ. And you can point them straight to the cross and talk about how you have been forgiven. How you have given, been given a new life through the blood of Jesus Christ. Your job is not to be a social activist condemning people for who they voted for, who they didn't vote for, if they, what they do during a football game. Your job is to be a model citizen of heaven. Amen? I better pray again before we get going on this. Let me pray one more time. God, be with us. Focus us. Um, God, will give you all the glory in your son's name. Amen. Now look at verse 15. This is what we're studying this morning. Verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should be that you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Peter here is talking about people that were accusing them of being all kinds of evil things, right? The culture that they were in, they would make fun of Christianity, they would make fun of Christians, and they would do it by using the things that they believed, right? For example, they would say things about Christian in those early years, like, y'all are a bunch of cannibals, Right? You guys are a bunch of cannibals. And they would go around saying that Christians are cannibals. And here's why. If a non-believer, somebody who's never grown up in the church, heard us talking about the Lord's Supper, how we eat the flesh of Jesus and drink of His blood, you would think that we were crazy too, right? Right? Maybe some of you are into that stuff. I'm not into that, right? But they're saying, y'all are a bunch of cannibals. They don't understand the meaning of the Lord's Supper. Right? They would say things like, man, y'all, y'all must be like some incest things going on here. Because y'all say, love your brother, love your sister. Right? No, that's not. We're the family of Christ. We are to love one another. Right? And then they would say things like, man, you guys are atheists. You guys can't see the God that you worship, but we worship the Son. But what they didn't realize is we do too. 
we worship the S-O-N who created the S-U-N, right? But they would say, you guys are atheists. Where is your God? I can point you to mine. Where is yours? Right? And so they would take all kinds of things that the Christians believed in and what we believed in. They would turn that against them and say that you guys are crazy. Right? And now today things aren't all that different. Right? In today's world, we have a culture and a government that isn't pro-Christianity. Right? As a matter of fact, we live in a culture that thinks what we believe in, that Jesus Christ and Christianity, what we believe in, is a complete joke. Right? Um, here's a fun story about your pastor. I have a weird-shaped head. Okay? Growing up, my sister had to go to beauty school to learn how to skip saying, you too, brother. We're in the same boat, right? My sister went to cosmetology. She learned how to cut hair. And she has been the only person I've ever trusted to cut my hair because I don't want to look bald, right? And then I moved to East Texas. I had to find someone. It took me about a year. I found a barber. And she, I mean, she did really good on my hair. And I moved here and I was stressing out. I said, man, I got to find someone. And I finally found a spot in Knoxville. It's called the Chop Shop where this girl named Amanda specializes in weird shaped heads. So if you're one of them with me, she does really good job too. She keeps doing well. Her name is Amanda at the chop shop, right? I'm giving a little plug for her. But for the past several months, I've been going there and Lucy has too. And, and we're trying to build a friendship with her. And I don't, I don't think that she is a believer. I, I'm, we haven't got to that point yet. But every now and then I, I kind of throw in a little, little, a little sneak of, you know, hey, so what do, you, do you guys go to church? What do you and your boyfriend believe? And, and I don't know how the conversation came up last week, but she brought it up. And she asked me, what do you think is wrong with Christianity today? I said, hey, we're going over that just past couple of weeks. We don't know how to worship. We don't know how to serve. We don't know how to make disciples. And I said, basically, I just think that we got a bunch of people that are claiming to be Christians, but they're not. And she says, well, I'll tell you what I believe. I think that because of how Christians act is why a lot of people don't believe in God. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, I don't understand what's so hard about knowing and living by love God with everything. And love people more than you love yourself. She says, I, I don't understand how Christians don't understand that. Right? We live in a culture today that they watch us. They're watching how we talk. They're watching what we post on social media. They're watching how we talk about other people behind their backs. They're watching how we live our lives. And they, would, they begin to think that Christianity is a joke. And when I came home from after getting my hair cut, I thought about this for a while. And I read this verse, and I believe Peter is trying to touch on this. And let me read it again. Um, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put the silence of the ignorance of foolish people. By doing good, if you do good, if you act the way that you're supposed to act, if you were to follow Jesus with more than just your words, if you were to actually follow Jesus with your heart, you weren't the one out in the culture pointing your fingers, judging other people about who they follow and who they voted for and where they're from. If you're not the one out there judging, but rather out there loving and serving, then maybe things would be different. Maybe you would put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. When you see that, it literally means to muzzle, right? I have to sometimes grab Brownie's mouth, her, her snout, because she barks too much, right? Paul's, or Peter's saying, if you were to live the way that you were supposed to live and actually follow Jesus with your life, you were going to muzzle their silence or muzzle their, their foolish ignorance. And when you see that, it's, it's talking about um, ignorance of someone who lacks spiritual discernment. You can grab them and say, listen to me. 
by doing good. Peter is saying in a culture that thinks Jesus is a joke and living under a government that does not strive to put God first, live according to God's will. Right? Today's going to be real applicable. Okay? The Bible is telling us how to live right here. So what is God's will? Look at the next verse. Verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. The NSAB version says, act as people who are free. Your King James Version puts it real nice and simple, as free. Live as people who are free. We know that the only way to live in true freedom is through Jesus Christ. So Peter is trying to say that we are to live differently. If we are called to live as people who are free, then that means that our culture, they're not in freedom. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we are called to live in freedom, that means everyone else is in what? They're in bondage. We are called to live in freedom. To explain that, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 6 with me. Romans chapter 6. Romans 6 verse 16. I want you all to see what Paul has to say about this as, as well. Romans 6 verse 16. If you're not there yet, you can follow along with me. Verse 16 of Romans 6 says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slave of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Verse 17, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching to which we are committed. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Without Jesus, we are slaves to our sins. Remember, I said when we were going through what worship is, that we are all worshipers. Regardless of what you believe, regardless if you believe in God, regardless if you worship a rock out in the parking lot, you worship something. We are all worshipers, regardless of what you believe, and we are worshipers. Paul and Peter are saying the same thing. Anyone who is not a follower of Jesus Christ is a slave to sin. And according to Romans 6, if you keep reading, go down a little bit, it says that the wages of sin equals what? Death. Being slave to your sin literally equals death. But Paul just said here that being a slave to obedience of God equals life. Right? Man, that's good. Here's the beautiful thing. Um, going back to when we were studying Galatians, right? Y'all remember that? Raise your hand if you remember going through Galatians with me. If you, if, you were, if you stayed awake with me, right? We went through Galatians verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And my favorite one comes from chapter 5. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us what? Free. To stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. When we were servants of sin, it was like we literally had a yoke over our necks. You guys know what a yoke is with oxen, right? It's a clamp. They clamp each other to two oxen and they go to plow the field. But that's what it looks like for us to be enslaved to our sins. We are yoked to our sin, which means our sin tells us what to do. Our sin tells us how to act. Our sin tells us what to say. Our sin tells us what to believe. But we are broke free from that when we have been set free because of Jesus and what he has done. It's like that clamp has been removed. Now we're clamped to Jesus and we have been set free because of him. Now, we are obedient. We ask Jesus what to do. 
We ask Jesus where to go. We ask Jesus what to say. We ask Jesus what to believe. And how do we get that? We also read the Bible and we become obedient. We don't just live life like how we want to, but we live it obediently to God because we have been set free. Peter is talking to these believers saying, live as people who are free. But then he goes on, go back to 1 Peter. I should have had you keep your finger there. Back to 1 Peter, verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Right? What tends to happen, and your pastor, and I know this from experience, what tends to happen with Christianity is we accept Jesus and we're saved and we have this new freedom and we've been forgiven of our sins and, and we learn about grace and how nothing can take us from the grace of God, right? There's nothing that we can do to separate us from the love that God has for us, right? But what we do and what I've learned from experience is that we understand that, but then we tend to use our salvation. We tend to use our freedom and we tend to use the grace that God has given us as I can do whatever I want now, get out of hell free card. How many of you play Monopoly? You get out of jail free, right? That card? Some of us use our salvation as a get out of hell free card. We live how we want to live. And when it's time to stand before God, we go, oh, wait, wait. Remember, I, I said the prayer when I was young. I, I'm free now, right, God? And I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, that's not how it works. That is not how it works. The salvation that comes from God isn't just, oh, you can live how you want. Hey, we're not saved through our works, but we're called to be obedient. We are called to be obedient. Going back to Amanda who cuts my hair. right? She said the big reason people don't believe in Jesus is, and why people think that Jesus and Christianity and church and God is just one big joke is because we got a bunch of Christians who have been set free from their sin but are using their sin and their freedom to live and do what they want to do. Right? We got a bunch of people who come to church two days a week but live like hell for the rest of the five days here. We got a bunch of people who say they know Jesus, but there's no evidence of Jesus in their life. We got a bunch of people who say they want to share the good news about Jesus Christ, but are so racist that they, when they look at somebody of a different color or of a different language than them, they automatically judge them and think the worst of them. We've got a bunch of Christians who have been set free, but when they look at other people who are falling in their sin, they're the first ones to judge them. We've got a bunch of people that come in here, and I watch them stand and they sing, but when they leave, they didn't encounter God, they didn't seek to encounter God, they're just putting on a show. We've got a bunch of people who think that they are Christians, say that they are Christians, but they do not know who God is. And they are the ones, maybe you or some of them, I know I have been in my life, are the ones who are pushing people away from Christianity. You guys with me this morning? Y'all got real quiet on me. We know from Galatians that we are free from thinking that we have to live a perfect life. That's not what I'm trying to say here. You don't have to live a perfect life in order to be saved because we are saved by grace through faith, which means that we can't save ourselves anyways. We can't do it. But if we use our freedom to do what we want, we will, like the Roman says, be a stumbling block to other people. I've said it to you before, it's been said, I wasn't the one who made this up, but every Christian is preaching a sermon. You guys know that. You are preaching a sermon with your life. When you leave here, that's when your sermon begins. 
Depending on how you live your life, depending on how you act, depending on how you treat other people, depending on how, how, if you live in fear, if you live in freedom, depending on how you live your life, you are preaching a sermon that will either push people to Jesus or you're going to send them to hell faster than what they're going already. You are preaching a sermon with your life. Peter doesn't end there. Look at verse 16 again. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. This is what we are called to be like, to live as a believer who has been freed from sin and now are free to serve God and to serve others and to love others in our culture today. So that when they see us and they see our lives and they hear our sermon, they go, man, something is really weird about them. What is it? And we get to tell them, man, it's God. That's what's weird about us. I'm not a citizen here. My citizenship is in heaven. Let me tell you about the man who created heaven. Let me tell you about the God who is powerful. Let me tell you about the man who died and set me free. Let me tell you about the man who broke me out of my bondage of sin. Now I can live in freedom and in his grace, knowing that he loves me. That is the hope. Romans 6.22 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have been, become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. We have been called to be servants of Christ and as a servant to all people. Remember, that's what we talked about last week in Mark 9. If anyone must be first, they have to be a servant of who? All. A servant of all. Not just the people with the same skin tone as you. Not just the people in the same social economic class as you. Not just for the Republicans or the Democrats. A servant of all. I don't think you heard me. A servant of all. That is what we are called to be. God has placed who he wants to be placed in all the governments and all around the world and tells us, I got this. He is in control. God has placed us to live in this culture that hates him and everything to do with Christianity and what it stands for and says, do not use your freedom to do what you want, but use your freedom to change the culture around you, to serve and to love them until they realize they want what you have. Stand firm. Don't let the culture change you. You change it by serving and by loving other people. Change the culture. God puts you here for a reason. Do you believe that? I never thought in a million years, I'm a ghetto kid from California, never would I thought that I would marry a beautiful woman from Texas and we would end up in East Tennessee. Right? Never, Mitch is like, no, I don't know how you got here either, brother. Right? <laughs> but God has placed us here for a reason. Just how God has placed you guys here to live in this culture for a reason. To reach it. Not by pointing, but by serving. Not by judging, but by loving. My goodness. I can already hear some of you right now. I can Look, you didn't know I can read your minds, right? It's just written right there on some of y'all's forehead. Some of you are saying, well, how in the world do we do that? How can a Christian live in this culture and stand firm in their faith and live as a servant of all time? You guys can go ahead and start pulling this video up. I have a video... Of, uh, his name is Zach Ertz. He's a tight end for the Eagles. Right? He's going to be playing today. And he just recently became a believer. And this is what I just want you to hear. His, this is an interview. right? How many of you watch SportsCenter? 
Raise your hand. Anybody watch SportsCenter? Evan, I appreciate you being honest with me, right? If you watch SportsCenter, you hear interviews from players all the time. Their questions aren't about God, right? Their questions about the game or their money or some type of scandal. I want you to hear this right here. is a tight end for their player. And this is a man who is on a certain platform where he can literally do anything that he wants to do. He can get anything he wants to get from anybody, but is using his platform not to cover up, um, not, to, not to do what he wants, but to glorify God. He's using the freedom that he has experienced in Jesus, not as a cover-up to go, oh, when I score a touchdown, glory to God. He's using his freedom to truly serve other people. I don't know if you heard it. The first thing they asked him about being a Christian, he said, my, my, my only goal in my life is to make disciples. <laughs> to hear that from a football player who's at the Super Bowl, right? I wish he was on the 49ers. That's who I go for, right? <laughs> but he's not, whatever. But to hear that from a man in that position to go, my only goal is to serve God. 
My only goal is to serve God, to make disciples. He is using his freedom to serve God and to serve people where he is at. And I'm hearing you guys. I'm reading your mind. I see it, right? Pastor, I'm not an NFL player. How can I do that here? Maybe you're not a football player. But some of you are great-grandparents. Some of you are grandparents. Some of you are fathers and mothers. Some of you are husbands and wives. Some of you are daughters and sons. And hopefully some of y'all are a friend to somebody. And if you're not, that's a whole other sermon I'm going to be preaching on here pretty soon. Right? But do you get what I'm trying to say? You are here and you are alive because God has placed you here and placed you in a culture and told you to use your freedom to serve and to love other people. How do we do that? I see it. How do we do it, Pastor? I can see it in your mind, right? How do we do that? Let's keep reading. Verse 17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Short. Boom, 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 boom. Right? Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I want to hit on those just real brief and we're going to wrap up. Honor everyone. This is simple. It should be very simple in your mind. You should be remembering that we are all equal in God's sight. Matter the color, the race, even the religion. We are created equal in God's eyes. He created us in His image. And if we forget that, if we forget that we were a sinner saved by grace, then we are the ones who are forgetting. And when we look at other people with different backgrounds, religions, faiths, or beliefs, we can be the ones that are pointing and judging and hating and spreading the hate, spreading the evil, rather than being called to love on them because we remember that we had to be set free at some point too. Now, there was at some point in my life where I was the evil one. There was at some point in my life where I was the sinner needing grace, but Jesus saved me. Y'all with me? Man, I... Come on. Honor everyone. We are all equal sinners in need of grace. Honoring starts with humbling yourself. Don't forget that Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He gave us an example of humbling ourselves. He gave us the perfect example. We need to honor and serve. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Honor everyone. The second part, love the brotherhood or love the sisterhood. Love here is used as a present, active, imperative word. That sounds smart, right? All that means is that that means to do it now. Love now. As Christians, we have to continue to love each other. We are a family. If you are a Christian, you are part of the body of Christ. Just like Zach said, I don't know if you heard him. He said in his testimony that he is so glad that he has teammates who challenge him, not just on the field, but with his faith. And he said something very important, very big. He said, and we will not let each other fall to sin. What would that look like if we as a Dumplin' Baptist Church and the Christians in East Tennessee said, we are not going to let each other fall to sin, but we're going to love each other and we're going to honor each other. What would that look like? I know since I've been here, I'm going to be real with you. Since I've been here, I have heard more hate than I have ever heard between Christians in my life. Because so-and-so did something 8, 9, 10, 25 years ago, that hate is still here today and is wrecking the church. But what if we honored everyone? What if we loved 
everyone. What would that look like? Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, right? Love is the true evidence that people know when they look at us that we believe in God. If we have no love, there's no evidence that we believe in God, right? And like I said, worship is what? Love expressed. Worship is love expressed. If you love God, you will express it. If you don't love God, you won't. You won't. Other people look at you. If they do not see love, they're not going to know that you believe in God. But if they see you and you're loving and you're serving, man, they might think there's something weird about you, but their minds are going. And let the Spirit work, and hopefully they'll come to know who Jesus is. Right? You guys with me? Believers are to love humans for the sake of the gospel and to love other Christians because we are the part of the family of God. This next part says, fear God. Right? And it goes, fear God, honor the emperor. Okay? Fear God is, this means that we have to be in awe and respect of God. Know that we are serving the holy God. We are serving the only God. There is no other God. It is God and that's it. And if you don't have a fear and respect of who God is, I've been reading in the Old Testament. Go read to you a little bit of something in the Old Testament. And it will remind you how strong and powerful God is. He messed some things up. Right? He didn't play around. He still doesn't play around. You don't have a fear for God. You need to go check your heart and what you really believe about God. Because God is a strong and mighty God. Who is just and mighty and is worthy to be praised. If you don't have a fear for God, there's something wrong with your faith. You need to go read something in the Old Testament, I promise you. And then honor the emperor. This is Peter's way of saying, be a good citizen. And just like the Bible tells us, follow the law of the land. But when the government and the culture around you is persecuting you for your faith, and just to remember that the fear of God must be higher than the fear of man, you serve God first. Your citizenship is in heaven. Now, I love America. I love my nation. I'm proud to be an American. But my citizenship is in heaven. And my obligation is to serve God. Which looks like loving the people in this nation. Which looks like loving the people that's not in our nation. Immigrants, aliens, I don't care. Be a good citizen. Model heaven. I want to remind you one more time of the Amanda who cuts my hair. I'm trying to get a discount for a haircut. I'm hoping that she listens to this, right? But remember, she said people don't believe in God because of how Christians act. But what if they see us serving and loving other people? What if they see us loving and serving them and actually caring about their lives? What would it might do? Maybe it would cause them to question their faith. What do y'all think? Absolutely. It absolutely would. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. We serve because Jesus serves us. But know this, God saved you to serve. God saved you to serve. You have been set free from your sin so that you will become a servant of Christ, an obedient servant, which leads to eternal life. We're saved by grace, but God has saved you to serve. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Are you using your freedom that God has given you for yourself? Or are you serving God and serving others? What is your sermon? If your life is a sermon, 
What are you preaching? Let's pray.